Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Exodus in the 16th chapter, the opening 12 verses. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. And they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Zin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also, Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John in the 6th chapter beginning at verse 24 and continuing through verse 36 again. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side at sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors 
ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. The feeding of the multitudes with five loaves and a couple of fish was such an important and impressive feat that it is recorded in all four gospel accounts. And this morning's New Testament reading from the fourth gospel comes right on the heels of that miracle. Jesus and his disciples had left the scene of the banquet in the evening after they had collected the copious leftovers. After an eventful nighttime crossing of the Sea of Galilee, they had returned to the region of Capernaum. Those who had their fill the previous day now wanted seconds. After all, who wouldn't want another free meal? But the great prophet who had brought them this food was no longer in their midst, so they were forced to seek and find him. When our girls were quite a bit younger than they are now, time flies, they were entertained by this sort of seek and find adventure. They had many seek and find books. These were books that had complex and sometimes intricate illustrations on their pages, and contained within them were hidden objects. There was usually a list somewhere that would describe the things you were to be on the lookout for, and they, and if we're honest, we too, would use our eyes, our glasses, and our patience as we tried to account for each and every one of these items. I don't recall if any of these books contained an answer key, but I remember that we just kept looking and looking until either we had completed finding all the items on the list or we lost interest and gave up. On a much larger scale, that's sort of what the people who had partaken of the loaves and fishes were engaged in a seek and find here the day after their meal. And when some of them did find their host from yesterday, Jesus began teaching them by interpreting what they had seen and what they had failed to see the previous day at the picnic across the lake. They knew that they had received a complimentary meal, courtesy of this prophet. And if you want to make friends and influence people, It is just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Tell them the drinks are on the house or 
the loaves and the fishes. Giveaways. They have been and they continue to be a very effective method of getting people's attention and winning their allegiance. The people had a taste of the menu offered by this man and they wanted more. And it turns out that's exactly what Jesus was hoping would happen. Now, he just had to get them to focus on another sort of hunger which they and we too have constantly gnawing away inside us. Just as his unique reinterpretation of the phrase, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, and you feed him for life, showed Jesus more interested in taking those who already knew pretty well how to catch fish and teaching them to become fishers of men. Providing the bread of life was also a multi-step process. But that's pretty much the way it was with most all the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that he performed for the people. From his first miracle recorded in the gospel according to John, another dining-related one that took place at a wedding feast, through to the restoration of sight for the man who was born blind, to the raising of Lazarus. All along the way, as Jesus is attending to the needs of the body, he is teaching that the magnitude of the life-sustaining, life-changing, life-saving power that he possesses stretches far beyond the temporary afflictions experienced in this life. Now, that was hard for the Israelites of his day to grasp, just as, I suspect, it is still hard for many of us to grasp today. The Hebrews had been led out of their slavery in Egypt through the wilderness and to the gateway of the promised land by Moses. And that's the story they had been faithfully told generation after generation all the way up and including the generation of Jesus. Along the way of their 40-year journey, they were led through the waters of the sea which Moses had parted. They had been gifted the tablets of the law by Moses, the one who had gone up the mountain and brought them down to the people. The Israelites had been fed by manna and by quails which dropped from the sky to sustain them. Here, Jesus is reminding his fellow Jews that while they had done a a good job of memorializing these seminal events from their past which contributed to their unique heritage as a people who had been set apart from the nations, when they attribute these life-sustaining, life-changing, life-saving events to Moses, well, they miss the mark ever so slightly. For as great as Moses was, he was, at the end of the day, Simply a servant, a servant of the Most High God, the one who made and sustained covenant with his people. The covenant God was the sustaining and redeeming God of the Israelites. And now this, this is the one to whom all glory, praise, and honor are due. For this is the one who empowered Moses to do that which he did for the Hebrews. 
God sent that wind to part the sea. God gave the commandments to Moses. God provided the bread from heaven to feed his people in the wilderness. And that's what Jesus is reminding them of right here. Not only that, he's telling those who would listen, but the supply of bread from heaven did not cease when the Hebrews left the wilderness of Sinai, even when they occupied the land that had been promised to them as an inheritance by God, even then, the Hebrews continued to dwell in a wilderness. Though they had been abiding in a land flowing with milk and honey, they continued to dwell in a wilderness. When they were defeated by the Assyrians and the Babylonians, when the survivors were carried off into exile in the midst of the fertile crescent, they continued to dwell in a wilderness. When their fortunes were restored and they were resettled in the land of Canaan, they continued to dwell in a wilderness. When Jesus came to them on the far shore of the Sea of Galilee to address and feed them on a verdant hillside, they were even then and there still residents of a wilderness and were being provided for by God who was sending them this bread from heaven. And this bread would not only fill their bellies, but their souls as well, if they would just partake. The people had expressed their desire to be fed. They acknowledged that they had a hunger. They came after Jesus, seeking another helping of what he had provided them the previous day, But they mistook the source of that hunger. They sensed that something was missing in their lives, but they thought it was simply a void in their stomach. While Jesus knew it was the void in their souls that needed most to be filled. So the question bears asking, what's missing? What's missing in your life? What do you hunger for? Do you know, or like the Israelites, are you confusing your hunger pains? Are you substituting a diet of work or of worry for the fullness of the bread of life? Jesus bemoaned the fact that you have seen me and yet do not believe. I have come. I am is right here. The manna which will sustain you Not just for a day, but for eternity. If only, if only you would come and see. If only you would believe that which you behold. Give us this bread always, Jesus is implored. And he did, and he does, and he will. Those who come to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me, will never thirst. All you have to do is to accept it, he tells us. But wait, we say, Jesus, you don't understand. We want what you gave us yesterday over where we were then on the other shore. We want something that we can 
see, something we can touch, something we can smell, and most importantly, something we can taste. We want what is real to satisfy the real need that we feel right now. If Jesus was about that mission alone, then I'd have to think he would have opened the equivalent of the Samaritan shelter right there in his own backyard to tend to the hungry and to the homeless and to the widowed that were no doubt just as much a part of that community as they are ours. While noble, these causes could be and have been undertaken by others in his name. The unique mission and ministry of Jesus Christ was based on his identity. What he came to offer because of who he was was simply not available through any other source. From the pasties of Scotland and Wales to the beignets of New Orleans Café du Monde to the confections of Paris as delicious and as delectable as their offerings may be, there is no other bakery offering the bread of heaven. If this world we live in and experience on a daily basis were all that there is, then such international culinary treats as these, baked full of calories and delightful to the eyes as well as the taste buds, these that are now available in pale substitute form from our local Walmart or our food line, well, they would then suffice. But for those who know of a God who transcends that which our human senses reveal to us, we are offered access to a vast storehouse of goods far greater than all the groceries on all the shelves at all the supermarkets, a storehouse which will never need to be restocked, and access to which will cost us nothing except, that is, a willingness to acknowledge and receive the one who will stop at nothing to bring us this bread of heaven. So again, the text asks us to consider what's missing in your life? What is it that you are hungering for? Beyond the daily ritual of meeting the basic survival needs of food, clothing, shelter, what do you really hunger for? However it is that you name that hunger, its origin lies in the fact that all human beings were created by God with a God-shaped hole in their hearts, a void that can only be filled by our Maker. Jesus was sent as God's self-revelation in the flesh to show us what and who is the answer to all our longings, all our desires, all our hunger. How fully will we let him fill us so that we may never hunger or thirst again? The bread of heaven has come near and invites us to see, to believe, and to partake of him. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.